Friends, our preacher this morning is no stranger to many of you. Her name is Estelle Holt, and she is our Minister of Congregational Care. So her primary responsibility is to uh, make sure that Pastor Matt and I know who's in the hospital and to visit people in the hospital and to call on you and to care for you with phone calls and emails and cards and visits. And uh, she's graciously agreed to bring the message today. So it's within our series, Countdown to Christmas, and she's brought one of her favorite Christmas movies to share and uh, I'm not going to steal any of her thunder. This is Estelle Holt. Oh, save that till later. You may regret. <laughs> I do welcome you to this last Sunday of the Countdown to Christmas series. Pastor Brad has shown us clips of classics and cartoons and has found something theological within that to really prepare us for Christmas in different ways. So a couple months ago, he asked if I had a special movie. Well, that was an easy question. I didn't know where it was going to end up, but I said, yeah, my favorite one is One Special Night. It was made in 2002, and it stars Julie Andrews and James Garner. And I think I've watched it a couple times every year because it's just one of my favorite movies. Every Christmas series, and I'll go back to here here at church, everybody, every church series is a little bit of romance. And so this is kind of a... Hallmark sequel, kind of a kind of one that would kind of go with it. This movie has captures relationships, it has humor, it has grief, forgiveness, and second chances. Let me introduce to you Catherine Howard, who is a pediatric cardiologist. Dr. Howard, happy turkey day. Same to you, Sarah. How's your daughter? Oh, she's great. Thank you. You're right. It was just eating. Good. What's this? Treats for the gang? <laughs> what are we brewing today? Orange Pico. I figured you might stop by. You are a lifesaver. I think I'll just go upstairs for a while first. Sure. Take your time. Uh, is Mrs. Rogers up? I think so. Good. Stay. We're having turkey later. Oh, thanks. I have a party to get to. Why does she still come? Well, she's got pretty close to a few of the patients. She used to bring some books and stuff. And she sits in her husband's old room. I think it makes her feel better. And her co-star is Robert Woodward. And he is a real down-to-earth construction site manager. Here's who he is. Mr. Woodward, I tried to catch you. Was something wrong? Oh, uh, Mrs. Woodward, we were getting her ready to go and she became very agitated. What is her heart? Did you call the doctor? The doctor came a little while ago and gave her something to calm her down. She's fine, but she's still a little... I want to see Grandma. Here, you know what? We're going to leave this sign and it's going to be the first... We're going out. Catherine finds comfort just sitting in a room that her husband had been in some years before he passed away of prostate cancer. She just finds comfort just staying there in the midst. Robert's wife is in the same hospice house. She's in very late stage of dementia. And it's so heartbreaking to the family that she usually doesn't recognize them, doesn't know who they are. And of course, this is really upsetting to the grandson who wants grandma to be the same as she used to be. Now, you couldn't see through the windows, but there was a snowstorm brewing. And so Robert goes up to visit, and he comes to realize that he just needs to send the family home. 
And they had a big vehicle, they all came in. So they all go home in the vehicle, and the snow gets worse, and Robert is just convinced that he's going to find a taxi ride going home. Let's see how he makes it. All right, I'll give him $100. I think that's fair. I, my family is waiting. Excuse it's Thanksgiving. Me. I'll be off in a minute. Yeah, I was going to say... One minute. Could I offer you a lift? Go, gals. Come on. <laughs> Don't they listen to us once in a while? At any rate... So many of you that maybe enjoy the Hallmark movies that we have kind of know where the story is leading. So they go in her Jaguar, okay? And this was a classic because it was given to her by her father many years ago, okay? So they go in the Jaguar and they into the storm and of course he gets worse and worse and worse and Hallmark would take us and of course they go into a snowbank and they can't get out and so then they get stuck and so they can't stay there, they'll freeze, and so they just take off and hope they'll find some place where they can stay. And they come across an abandoned cottage. Well, the cottage provided lots of good conversation, no electrical power, no cell phone service, oh my. And the only thing in the cupboards was stale mac and cheese. Now, I don't know what kind of moisture they put into it, but if it was just water, it can't be but so good. I agree, Dawn, you're shaking your like, oh, not good. But the good news in all of this, what seems to me a real disaster, is that God's mercy was abundant. They were safe. They had a chance to tell their stories to another adult. What Catherine and Robert sensed quickly was a night to share an aching heart, find some humor in the rustic conditions. But I will share, in spite of it being romance-like, there was no romance. There were no awkward hugs. There was nothing that became disrespectful to the vows that Robert had shared with his wife. But they had another person to talk to. And talking is good. Talking is good. Second chances, third, fourth chances, second, third, fourth tries, efforts. I mean, it's just a continual batter to succeed in something that we have to repeat and do repetition. On a simple level of repetition, the basketball is supposed to go in the hoop. Now, Justin, I know you lead those fellas with a basketball. Goes in every time, doesn't it? I wrote the word hardly in my notes. Is that, does that fit? Hardly. Or maybe it's a new song that's to be done here in worship. No doubt, chord can roll through at one time and it's ready to go. Chord, yeah, maybe not. They're practicing for 11 o'clock. So we train new puppies. We learn how to turn a fried egg over without breaking the yolk. We ride bikes, but in all of these things, we need lots of repetition, usually lots of practice, which means giving ourselves multi-chances. Now, more importantly than that, we've got to give other people a whole bunch of chances. We must share mercy. We must give encouragement. We must pray for them. And for we, what we can literally, because we can literally transform a life. Now, I know that you have stories but I don't have a mic in time to do that. But I want to share a few of the stories that have been apart for me. I got a phone call last spring from a lady, and I thought it was Diana Starr, but I was wrong. She had some school supplies, and she knew that I would find a happy home for stuff that somebody else is going to discard. So I went out to door 17 to meet, and I, it wasn't Diana, and I wasn't really sure of who it was. And she knew I was puzzled, and she looked at me, and she said, you saved my son's life. 
She said to me, you saved my son's life. What a punch. And then I knew who she was. I knew right away. Her son, four years ago, had come to the church office. There were a few of us there, Joanne, Mandy, and I think Lynn and I were there. We greeted him. He was so depressed. He was lost. He had nowhere to turn. He was addicted to drugs and alcohol. He had ruined every relationship within his family. He had graffitied his mother's apartment. He had nowhere to turn. And I don't want to say that we are the nowhere because we are the place to turn to. But he came to the church. And we reached out and we helped this young man. We found him food. We painted his mom's place. We talked with him on the phone constantly and also with the mother. We got him connected with counseling downtown. And I want to say that when she and I were talking, she says, the good news is my son is drug and alcohol free. He is holding a good job on a reputable business on Timberlake Road. He's paying his own bills. And as a family, they are once again together. How did it happen? He reached out to the church and we took his hand. We gave him confidence, we gave him a purpose, and we gave him a reason to make his life better. Now, I can't say that this happens very often, people coming to the church needing help in that way. But if it's once, it's once. And that's all that we need. Parkview is an amazing opportunity of helping people, supplying food and clothing and fellowship. The encouragement and second chances are countless. The fill-in station and the blessing boxes, they feed tummies. It is a reasonable expectation that a parent would provide food for their children. Circumstances sometimes make that very difficult. Feeding a family reduces the stress, strengthens the relationship of the children and the parents. This is a huge second chance. And this for us here at Timberlake is a huge third chance and fourth chance, and fifth chance, because people know that they are welcomed as often as they need to be here, without question. Another story. My husband, Rudd, and I went over to La Villa for a quick sandwich, and one of my previous students comes rushing over. Oh, when she said Miss Elder, that was the name I was at the middle school. Oh, Miss Elder, you're my favorite teacher. I'm so glad to see you, and how are you? And I said, I was fine. And she knew I was dealing with... Breast cancer, by the way, my last treatment is Tuesday. I thank you for all the prayers. It has been your prayers and your words that has gotten me through all of this. Ooh, I didn't have that in the script. Anyway, so she comes to me, and then, of course, I ask, how are you? And she says, well, we had a chimney fire, and the ceilings of three of the bedrooms collapsed. The word may can do. And in my little head, it's going, dookie, 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 dookie. what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? You do that too, don't you? So we sat down, had ordered, and I called Susan Woodsell. Susan helps out and is one of the leaderships at the Philly. I said, Susan, I got a situation. And I said, can we help her and her family? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Have you got a key? I said, Rudd's got a key. Okay, there's a ham in the freezer. You fill up a big box. You take all that you can, but you can't take the USDA stuff. I, I knew my limits, okay. Filled up a huge box. And on the way, we stopped off at the bank. She had a teenage daughter. Her hours had been cut. I knew the dollars were few. It was Christmas. We don't want our children to be without. So we stopped off at the bank. And I was telling my good friend who the teller was. I wasn't bragging like, oh, I'm getting some money to give. That wasn't the point. I was just, I don't know. I was just telling her. And the man next to me, whom was a stranger, 
turned to me and he handed me a $20 bill and he said, include that in the Christmas gift. She, he didn't know me. He didn't know what was going. But he believed that he could help somebody. So I got in the car and I told Red, I said, you won't believe. And he said, Estelle, we must never give up on people. We must never give up on people. Our Christmas blessing program is such a huge mission here. And for those that are unaware, um, our local schools are, are asked children in need. And we have all kinds of cards. How many families? 400? Over 400 families that got as many as three gifts each. And all of them were taken to them. Every aspect of planning and organizing and advertising, buying, wrapping, all this is a huge bravo. So many hands going in to make that project a success. Second chances? Wow, for sure. Imagine the excitement of the children having a present to open. They know that they're poor. Imagine the gratitude of the parents that, had their, that someone had loved their babies. I remember a thank you note, it's been a few years back, and it was from a mom who would receive gifts of Christmas blessing. I think we called it a different title at the time. That doesn't matter. And the note read how grateful she was that the church had given presents. Had it not been for Timberlake, her children would have got wrapped boxes of cereal. Now, this is reality. This is reality. Many families face very difficult times. Wednesday night, nurture night. What a great time to eat good food and have good fellowship. But there was a second chance a couple of Wednesdays ago. We had a, a visitor. Um, Matt went over and some others went over to visit with him. We came to realize that he was hungry. Well, that's why he was there. Yes, he was hungry. But he needed a coat. And he needed some medication like Tylenol, headache type of stuff. Okay. And his family was in North Carolina. He had no vehicle. He wanted to get to North Carolina to be with his family. And what was so beautiful was that we didn't have to jump a bunch of hoops to help this man. We didn't have to go to a committee and get five out of ten votes that says, yes, we can do this. We didn't have to make some big email that says, oh, sounds good, sounds good, sounds good. And five days later, everybody finally reads the email. And we, no. There was a sense of generosity and goodness in this church that Matt was able to write them on the spot so that we would want to do the hospitable thing, and that was to feed him, get him a coat, get him the medication he needed, and get his ticket on a bus, train? Train. That's the good news of Timberlake. That's the good news of Timberlake. All right, so let's pull all this second chance stuff together here. Please understand that our Father God creates opportunities. He provides the details and the missions. He puts the people in the right places. Now that's the beginning of it. How we respond to the chance is what makes the difference. Do we give ourselves to the energy that it needs? Cancer treatment's not easy, my friends but I have done all I can to make my health the best it can. We know that we have to be self-motivated. There's one of our members within the church who shared with me a month or so ago, she's had 36 surgeries. 
I don't want to count that many. But she is determined to do all she can to be well for her family that she loves. Determination. Ooh, my favorite word. Exercise. Ooh. Rehab. Courage through treatments. Eating habits. Quit smoking. Cut down on the drinking. Tackle addictions. These are the responses that we make to the second chances that God gives to us. Now, we also need to give second chances to others. We must be open-hearted. We must be hospitable. We must be encouraging. We must be generous. We must give our time listening. I know, we're all in a rush, but when someone needs to tell you a story, listen to the story. They need to talk it out and not to be judgmental. We're going to be facing a lot of people that look a little different, smell a little different, talk a little different, but they are God's people, and we are commissioned to take care of God's children. And so our response to others is to be there. Let's toss the scripture in. And so I'm from Psalm 86, verse 15. But you, O Lord, are a merciful and gracious God, slow to get angry, full of unfailing love and truth. I want to add one more verse. Look down and have mercy on me. Give strength to your servant. Yes, save me, for I am your servant. The psalmist said unfailing love, unfailing second chance, unfailing third chances. This is God's forgiveness. It's unmerited. His forgiveness is with no conditions and no time restraints. It's unquestionable forgiveness. And no, there are no ifs and ands and no consequences. Well, you did this and there... No. It's just pure love. What an awesome God we have. We are reminded that there is nothing, nothing, nothing that will separate us from the love of God. There is no sin too great that he won't forgive. Hear the words of verse 3 of a favorite hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine within 10,000 beside. Great is thy faithfulness, new mercies I see. All I have needed thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Can we apply these concepts of forgiveness in our own personal lives? <laughs> Can we forgive others without digging through the past? Can we drop the barriers in the relationships that have hurt us? Can you let the difference of opinions be resolved? Can you forgive as God has and shall always and forever forgive? Ouch. This is getting tough when it puts it back in your shoes, doesn't it? All right, let's go back to the movie. There is another important relationship, and this is with Robert's daughter. Her name is Laurie. She's seven months pregnant. She is married to a divorce lawyer, and they are separated. Not good. They are together on Thanksgiving because Robert's wife had passed away and they were there gathering with family and friends and food. And so he goes into the kitchen and he and Laurie get into a pretty heated discussion. 
She accused him of not being home enough for the son. You work too hard. I know that job promotion is important, but isn't your family more important? She's just trying to put some priorities there. And he's apologizing, and I'll see if I can do differently. And then she puts the whammy on because she found out about the affair that he had been in. He thought he'd kept it pretty closed cup. Didn't think that it had been out. It'll never happen again. Well, that's a tough moment for forgiveness. So following the drama of a Hallmark-like movie, Laurie goes into premature labor. Dr. Catherine is recruited for the delivery because there may be a heart issue. And they're all waiting for that infant's first cry. Lori? I'm sorry, you have to wait outside. No, I have to be I'm with my sorry, wife. Jay. Okay, Carrie. Doctor, she's ready. Hi. I'm so proud of you. I know. I love you, Lori. You have to forgive me. I do? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait, here, Snicker. Oh, my goodness. Maybe you didn't hear the words. He says to her, you have to forgive me. She says, I do. Okay. Ah. Oh. It could only be that simple. God doesn't just flippantly say, you've done something wrong. Okay. Don't think that's the way it goes. But I do imagine warmth and understanding in his forgiveness. I do imagine lots of love and mercy. These are those key ingredients in the forgiveness that God gives us. God is always waiting, wanting us to walk a better path away from, from sin. We have experienced the expectation of Christ in Advent, the joy and peace of the season, the celebration of the birth of a tiny babe, our Jesus, in God flesh appearing. God created and produced our special night. Let me ask you if, if you have a special night. Will you have a night to accept the presence of the moment? Will you have a night to find renewed relationships? Will you have a night to open your heart to forgiveness and be happy? Well, I won't leave you without knowing the end of the story. Just like all good Hallmark movies, it has a happy ending. Robert and Catherine go back to that cottage and they find a second love. She says something about being literal, and so he kisses her. So that's not just a pretend. But their second chance of being in love again is found. I wish you a very exciting and productive 2020. And I hope with Congregational Care, I'll get to know many of you much better.